This is the High School Football America podcast for April the 20th, 2020. Lots of 20s in there. I'm Jeff Fisher. The High School Football America podcast is brought to you by GameStrap, America's premier sideline instant replay system with outstanding customer service and reliability, plus different plans priced right for every coach's budget. To get a demo, go to GameStrat.com, or you can click on the GameStrat banner ad located on every page of HighSchoolFootballAmerica.com. Well, time for a couple of Monday memories here, and it's going to be coming right out of my book, uh, High School Football in Texas, Amazing Football Stories from the greatest players of Texas uh, came out in 2018 and want to thank everyone who's uh, spent their hard-earned money on it. And we've had a, a kick up in sales uh, during COVID-19. And I really appreciate you, uh, you know, passing some time with uh, this book that I wrote. And uh, I really appreciate you spending your hard-earned money. And uh, we're going to tie it into uh, what happens later on this week. It was supposed to happen in Las Vegas, but it's going to be virtual because of the coronavirus. It's the 2020 NFL draft coming up. And uh, to celebrate, uh, we're going to talk about um, a guy that uh, I interviewed for my book, a guy who was a former overall number one. You know him, Earl Campbell. Yes, Earl Campbell. Boy, when you when you hear the name, especially for people my age, you think of one tough son of a gun of a running back. And uh, I interviewed uh, Earl for about uh, 40 minutes. And one of the funny things about that is the man that recruited him to the University of Texas, uh, the late uh, coach Ken Dabbs. Uh, I talked to him the, the day after that. And he said, so, so Jeff, did you, did you talk to Earl? I said, yeah, we talked for about 40 minutes. And <laughs> in his only... Uh, way that he could with that uh, very uh, spry voice. And, and I, it wasn't a twinkle in his eye because I was on the phone with him. He said, oh, Earl never talks to anybody for 40 minutes. So it must have been a special interview. And it was because um, the interview itself was really designed to be twofold, A, to talk about Earl's uh, high school career at uh, Tyler High School in Texas. But it was also uh, really important to talk about uh, his dear friend, Ken Dabbs, who was alive at the time of the interview. So uh, today on the uh, on the podcast here, I'm going to uh, replay the entire interview that I did with Earl Campbell. And I thought before we uh, kind of rolled that tape, I'd, I'd, I'd read a couple of excerpts from the book, uh, the chapter, which is chapter number four, talking about him from Tyler, Texas, John Tyler High School. It starts this way. How good was Earl Campbell? That's the question that I asked. In 1989, former Dallas Cowboys head coach Barry Switzer, who tried to recruit Campbell uh, at John Tyler High School when he was the uh, head coach at the University of Oklahoma, wrote in his book, The Bootlegger's Boy, that Campbell was the only player that could have gone from high school straight to the NFL and immediately become a star. Earl Christian Campbell, the sixth of 11 children, was born on March 29, 1955. He started playing flag football in the fifth grade, but rather as a kicker than a running back. Earl's father, B.C. Campbell, died when he was 11 years old, and his mother, Ann Campbell, was not fond of the sport, even after Earl became more and more a celebrity figure from high school into the pros. His mom still wasn't a fan of the game. And now we're going to go to uh, the interview that I did with Earl Campbell, and uh, he's going to talk about a lot of things, including wanting to be the Black Dick Butkus, and then we're going to uh, wrap things up with him talking about his, uh, his longtime friend, uh, I'm sure someone that he misses dearly, uh, the late, great Coach Ken Dabbs. So Coach and I spent uh, about an hour on the phone yesterday. We're going to spend another hour on Monday and some more next week because, geez, he's recruited just about everyone. But 
I guess there's no coach dad story without uh, <laughs> talking about yourself. So without uh, telling you everything he said, I'd love to get your kind of just feeling about that very first meeting uh, that uh, you, you got to meet Coach Dabbs when he when he came up to your house there and met your mom and the rest of the family. Well, in 1973 is when I officially met Coach Ken Dabbs, and uh, Corky Nelson was my high school coach, and uh, one day, Coach, I was going to practice, and Coach Nelson and the running back coach, Coach Butch LaGuire, said, hey, Earl, come here. So I went over, and they said, hey, we want you to meet uh, Coach Ken Dabbs, a recruiter for the University of Texas. I said, oh, yeah, nice to meet you. And they said, if you'd be good enough next year, which was 1974, Maybe he'll be recruiting you, and uh, that started a relationship in 1974. It lasted until, well, 1973, that introduction lasts until this day. That's that, and he talked so fondly about you, and... uh so, so was there anything that stood out about him that day? Because the one thing that I know about him in the brief time that I've gotten to know him over the last year and a half or two years is he doesn't meet a stranger. He's a That's what I was about to say, his personality. And even though we were both in the football world at that time, he was more in the business. I was just playing in high school. The one thing he didn't do is he didn't shuck and jive, but he had a great sense of humor, if that makes sense. I mean, he wasn't like a recruiter to come in and tell you at that time when I finished school, in the 70s, it was about all who could buy an athlete what. He wasn't selling that. Mm-hmm. Um, he just says he's representing the University of Texas. He was a recruiter, head recruiting guy, and... Nice to meet you. And then in 74, of course, that introduction turned into like, I think, 16 or 17 weeks at with one hotel just recruiting me. So, <laughs> yeah, he uh, that well. <laughs> I mean, he, Chris Dabbs is, and his wife and family is much of a Campbell's family as we are their family. I mean, that relationship went way beyond football, and thank God, to 2018 is still the greatest as it was when we met one another. Yeah, I, I, I said I'm 57, and I said to him, I wish, I hope my brain is as sharp as yours is at 83. Uh, oh yeah, he's pretty sharp, man. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't know Coach Dale was 83. Yeah, he's 83. <laughs> you would not um, know it. He. You know, he still got the mind of, he still knows his high school recruiters. I don't know if you keep up with this on a computer, but once you're in that business, I guess you knew everybody. So the guys that was playing football back then when I was playing football, it's an amazing thing because they're kids. Uh, coaching nine, Coach Dabbs know them just as well as he did their parents. 
his brain is stronger than a computer, I told him. Yes, and he doesn't write anything down either. He just knows all this. No, he he was giving dates from the 70s, and I was yes. oh, my gosh. Yes. He knows every, like, he, he's, uh, Elmo Wright's going to be in the book. He gave me Elmo's. I mean, he just, but I guess that, that gets me to the point of how how genuine he is. And he said the one thing that after he finally met you that first time, he knew the importance of getting to recruit your mom because mm-hmm. if you recruit your mom, you might be able to get on your side. So do you remember anything about his relationship back then with your mom? I know it was good. To oh, you. yeah, I kind of remember. I know he was very familiar with that family. You know, I was raised in a house, probably four-bedroom, Three bedrooms and 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 seven boys and four girls and a mother. Uh, because my father died when I was in the fifth grade, so my mother raised our eleven kids, mm-hmm. and I wasn't the oldest one. I was just the seventh oldest one. And because uh, dads, you know, I, I mean, we would come in in the evening, and when you got that many kids and all kind of appetites, there's no such things as hot dog. I mean, uh, steaks and potatoes, it's, it's whatever you can get that day. So whatever we had to eat, my sister Evelyn uh, would say, Chris, Dad, you want something we eat? Oh, yeah, yeah, I want this. Some days it was collard greens, chitlins, fried chicken. And I'd say, hey, this white dude don't know nothing about all that shit, Evelyn. And Evelyn just filling him up. Coach Dab sit there and ate with us. Never grumped about anything. Never said nothing. If he asked for anything, that mornings it would be coffee. <laughs> uh, but he basically lived in a house with us. And I think when uh, he found out that my mother wasn't so much hung up on just Earl, she told him, hey, Dab. I have more kids than just Earl. Earl is just one of them. So <laughs> he he said to me, and I, I think he mentioned Evelyn in the story. He said, yes. that, 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 "So so tell me your recollection of the Brill Cream story." Then <laughs> uh, I was, I didn't know a whole lot about that one, but I heard all the stories about it. But. Uh, <laughs> Because Dad's for him and Elvin, you know, she's gone now. That was my only sister. But her and Chris Dad was go around and around, a little dab will do or something like that. I, <laughs> a little yeah. dab will do you. <laughs> yeah. And then he said the one, the second time he came to the house after meeting your mom, the second time Evelyn came to the door and uh, knocked, and Evelyn answered the door and yelled, Hey, Mom, Coach yeah. is here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That that's that's wonderful. Now, well, let me ask you this then, because I know I, I've read a lot of your story, and by the way, I grew up watching you, and it's an honor to actually be on the phone with you right now, and I mean that from the deepest part of my heart, because you you are one of those guys that I remember growing up that really I'm like, okay, this is what special is. So, so so all my bragging aside. I read well, I played my whole career when I even started in elementary school with. Thondike Lewis was the coach in Pee Wee Elementary School. And Georgia McDowell was my coach in junior high and Corky Nelson and and Bush LaGuire was the main guy in the whole deal because 
me and him and Coach Dabbs, I think, was just unbelievable in football. But I, I, even from the time I joined football clubs in junior high, I played with people that made me look good. I didn't have to do nothing but run. It's easy to just run, you know. <laughs> I think you're being pretty modest, here, but um, you're. So, so did your mom because of. Did your mom ever get to love the game? Because I know you say that you've said in the past that you know she really wasn't fond of you starting to play the game itself. Did she ever come to love the game and, and your role in it by any chance? I think she loved my role in it. I don't think she ever just was crazy about football. You know, when you have that many kids in the family, man, <laughs> you got to have. And I never believed this until I had boys. She always told me that told us. That no kids are like, no two kids in the family are like, and I think about that all the time now that I have these two boys, and I say all the time, "Moms, you're right, you know, so <laughs> I don't really think she was like never died with football. I think she was just interested in it because of something that I did in my name, you know, yeah. So, um, Coach Stabs, and I, I know we could go through all these stories, but one of the things that he said that amazed him about you was you were actually, a, and I didn't know this, you were a, a linebacker up until maybe your last game of your junior year? Is that? Is, is yeah, Coach Dabbs is right. Okay, I didn't know that. I wanted to be the first black uh, Mike Dick. Uh, uh, Dick Buckus. Dick Buckus. That's what I wanted to be. And uh, running back my sophomore year, he graduated. So one day I was going to practice, and Coach Nelson and his running back coach I had named Lawrence LaGuire. Everybody called him Bush. And uh, they came over and said, hey, Earl, let's talk a minute. I said, yeah, about what? They said, we don't have a running back. And... uh we want to see how you fit that. I said, no, no, I'm a middle linebacker. I mean, I had the big buckets walk down. I had the bow legs like him. I mean, I had everything. And that was my hero when it comes to being a linebacker. So I, I ran the ball two or three times in, in practice, and I literally just threw it down the Played like I was fumbling because that's how bad I didn't want to play. <laughs> so Coach LaGuardia got to talking. He says, Earl, come here. He had a very deep ball boy. Say, man, come here. And he and Coach Nelson had gotten talking. He says, hey, if you hold on to that ball one time, we have to think about this linebacker thing. And I broke loose and practice for about 65 yards and held on to it and at that time, Remo Wright was doing an Indian dance on his knees, so I did my acne of that deal. <laughs> and I never got to be a running a linebacker again. Every now and then I'd go in the game, but it wasn't like every down. But sometimes in the championship, I uh, we won in. My senior year, I played off and on, but mainly that started me being a running back. That is so amazing. And he said 
Um, and, and, you know, and Coach Dabbs doesn't brag. You know what I mean? When he says something, you believe it. It's not like he's trying to be funny. Of course, he don't mess around. He, he knows football. I tell you, he knows the player. And, and, he, and that's what he was saying. He said, you were just so technically sound because, you know, he was a, uh, you know, a track guy. And um, he said just the way you ran and just your – you know, he thought about the size of your thighs. He said that he thought you were about as perfect a football player as there could be out there. When you hear someone like that, he doesn't usually say things like that. You know what I mean? He's, he's not going to overhype it. What does that mean to you? How does that make you feel? I think it's – I think uh... – you know, sometimes I sit like I am now watching Taylor Wood play golf and Bubba Watson and Roy McElroy and all these guys. And it had to be that God really gives individuals and people talents. And I believe that everybody has one. I believe God gave everybody talents. Some of us, he gave more than one. So by the time I was in about fifth grade, I really started liking football. Mm-hmm. By the time I got to the ninth grade, in Coach LaGuire Butch had me, I fell in love with football. And I just started watching all the greats and all that. So I was a God-given gift. I did what God gave me. That's what he put me on this earth to do is one of them was to be the best football player I could be. Mm -hmm. Because that goes into so many other aspects of your life that you don't know. You don't know what it does. Or I didn't at the time, the difference between winning and losing outside of everybody's happy when you win and sad when you lose. I didn't understand the business aspect that goes along with winning, the losing and the compassion for a community or a state or the world. I mean, and now that I understand all those things, when I started understanding all that when I was about a sophomore in college, I started, I I, I just couldn't get enough of it. my freshman year, when I started realizing all those things, I just fell in love with it. And I got into it after that, and I, I know what I wanted to be was a running back. Then I started watching everything I could on the legendary Jim Brown. Oh, uh, yes. Because I thought that's the closest I think I could see somebody compared to me with him. Mm-hmm. Not that it wasn't great running backs, the Tony Dorsets, the Robert Newhouses, the Walter Paytons, and all the great ones. The only one I saw out of everything that could flick my dick was a guy named Jim Brown. Mm-hmm. And not once a, not I got into that, man, I, I, I used to, in my 
junior sophomore year and, and senior year in college, they used to put a film on the wall that Coach Dab got me because we you didn't know them nine millimeters, you didn't have to have a film for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. I watched Jim Brown over and over just in the dorm up on the wall, you know, running that film back and forth. And Coach Dab did you that? Yeah. Oh, so cool. That is so, so cool. So that was... I mean, just summing up and about me, that's how I look at football, you know. It's God gave me that gift and I tried my best to use it to the best. I yeah. Because Dabs did a great job in that because you know, when two men really meet each other and get to know one another, they really don't have to call each other every month or once every day or every two weeks. But when they do, they know it's about something. Mm-hmm. And they too know how it connects. Well, of course, Dabs and I experienced that, you know, and, um, we never day. really hugged and talked in college much after he recruited me. We never did this, never did that because I'm not a rah-rah guy. I'm just straightforward. This the way it's got to be done. You don't have to tell me all about what's going to happen, what you're going to get and all this. Mm-hmm. And because Coach Dabs on one of, and the university wasn't one of those schools that, because when I came along, I had made decisions long before anybody knew this. Because I could read and write and I was seeing where athletes was going to some school. They bought them a car, they gave them clothes. Mm-hmm. I said, no, nah, I don't want that because my people have sold themselves long enough. I'm going to do it my way. I go because I want to. And because Dad never said nothing about clothes, cars, money. He just says food. We got a great dining hall. We got the best education. We help get you tutors. We pay for everything you want in school. We got an honest deal. And when I met Royal, you know, it was a norm. It was nice to meet Coach Roy. I didn't know his legacy. Mm-hmm. I was a black guy, you know. <laughs> I knew Eddie Robertson and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, Coach Dabs was my man. I, I figured anything I wanted, needed, talked to about, which we never really talked a bunch in college, and after I recruited me, he says, uh, this is Coach Darrell Warrior, our coach. I thought he was the head coach. He had been visiting us so long. I said, who? I said, I thought he said, no, I'm just a recruit on the plane that day coming down here. I barely saw Coach Darrell. I would see him around and every night it's a good game. And so, yeah. So, you know, because I wasn't a rah-rah guy, I was, I was about sneaky way about business and people didn't think I understood but I understood every damn thing that was going on. Smart as a fox. I just played like I did. I mean it took Dad did one great thing. If he don't do anything for him the good book says if you're able to help one person in your lifetime you've done your deal. And I tell Coach Dabs all the time, that one person is me, brother. <laughs> we 
you got me to come down to the University of Texas, that changed my whole life to this day. I mean, you know, coming to UT from Tyler, you know, I didn't even know what the hell UT was. I didn't know what Austin, Texas was. I was amazed that we beat a school in the state championship game, Austin Reagan. Mm-hmm. And they kept saying, Austin Reagan. I said, what the hell is that? <laughs> so they said, we're going to play halfway in Houston. You come to Houston. We come to Houston, we're going to play a state championship game. I had no idea, man. I was getting out of my clothes, getting undressed out of my shoulder pads. And this guy said, my goodness, look at that body. Well, back then, if you think, you know, you hear a man say that to another man. That's kind of like, what the hell are you looking at my body for, man? I'm, I ain't, I'm not that way. I'm straight, you know. Uh-huh. Well, that guy was a guy named Daryl Royal, and his one of our big alumni is named Joe Jamel. They was in our dorm. In our dressing room after that state game, so... I remember when we flew down and talking to him, I said, that's Warrior. All the other guys were so excited in the dressing room. And Coach Dabbs and Coach uh, Aker, I mean, Coach Dabbs, Joe Jamil, and, and uh, Joe Jamil and Royer and them, they came to the game. I never seen Coach Dabbs. I seen Joe Jamil and Royer. Uh-huh. Once again, Dabbs did his deal. He stayed out of the back. He didn't have to let them know. That's my man, Earl, won the state championship. <laughs> yeah, I'm going down and I'll see him later. You know, Dev's just that kind of guy. <laughs> he, he is. He told a story when you talk about Coach Royal and, and looking at your body like that. Coach mm-hmm. Dabbs told me a story yesterday. They went, Coach Dabbs wanted to look at a quarterback in Shreveport, a high school quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Coach said, I want to go into the locker room after the game. And I guess the kid comes out of the shower in a towel, and Coach looks at him, looks up and down at him, and they just leave. So they mm-hmm. get to the car, and Coach Dad said, uh, well, wh- what was that about? He said, well, we're not going to take that kid. There's a lot of good stuff about him, but look at his knees. Did you see his knees? The way he is, they kind of turn in because his feet go out, and that means he's going to get a knee injury. Mm-hmm. I love it that he, that he didn't take him. He went someplace else, and on the very—I think he said Louisiana Tech or something. Mm-hmm. He said on the very first play, he got his knee hurt and never played football again. So he said he never saw anybody. He thought it was weird too, but he said Coach Royal just could look at a person's body and know if they were good or not. Well, you know, I wasn't so nonchalant back then to know that UT had a hard time getting black people to come to this school. Oh, yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, the University of Texas and the state of Texas and the people that are fans of the University of Texas should feel like they sincerely be black, white, brown, or whatever. If there's such thing as owing your life to somebody, mm-hmm. We all in the state of Texas owe our lives to, of course, the good Lord, but 
on a business standpoint, we all owe it to Coach Ken Dabbs. Because That's- Coach Ken Dabbs did bringing all these black athletes in here to the university mm-hmm. to play football. He encouraged that father that had a daughter that wanted to be an engineer that was out of high school, but she never wanted to go to Texas because of the racist problems they had. So, of course, Daz was one of the main guys. He was the guy to put that all at rest because when he was recruiting me, I'd heard all this stuff about a university of Texas didn't like black people. And when I left, they even said in Tyler, Oh, he'll be back because Darrell is racist and the school is racist and uh, he'll be back. He'll be back. And meaning and I wouldn't, was meaning I wouldn't make it. So of course Dad yeah. broke down that barrier. Yeah. Starting with me and then Raymond Claven and all these people start coming here. And UT was winning football games like nothing. I mean, that's because it was all the great athletes in Texas. UT was getting the number one pick at them. And they all wanted to come because of what Roosevelt Leakes did, what Raymond Claiborne did, what Alfred Jackson did, what Lonnie Bennett did, and all these people. And, you know, we just had a great thing, but... Going to Texas, I don't know how any other athlete made it, but I got a damn good meal. That's why I don't eat steaks very much today. <laughs> because growing up not eating a steak, I didn't realize that they were going to have them at my table 24 hours in that dining hall, and you could get the biggest one or the smallest one you want. I, I tried to eat all I could for three weeks, and I can't have no steak now. My wife and I go out to dinner, I order a fake potato, and ask her, give me a little bit of your steak if I want some. But 90% of the time, I don't eat steak. Really? Well, i got to tell you one thing. When I was in Austin last year at the airport, I mm-hmm. had one damn fine breakfast with some good biscuits and good gravy. You know oh, who, yeah. who was serving that up? Your, your place. Earl <laughs> Campbell Sports Boy. Yeah, me and the Delaware Corporation out of uh, Buffalo. We got in business since that airport opened, and we've been there all these years. We have a great relationship, and uh, we do a lot of good, too. We raise money for, like, the hurricane victims. We do a lot of stuff great together. It's just I'd not wait. a restaurant, but we do a lot of things outside of the restaurant there at the airport. But it is good food. Yeah, sure. But you understand what I'm trying to get at about Chris Dabbs? Absolutely, because he told me, and you know what, the great thing about Coach Dabbs is it's not even a racial question. No, no, no. See, he didn't look at it like that. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. that was a scoop on the university when he was trying to get all these black athletes to come here. And I think that he believes, because I've tried to talk to him about this, that when I got that Earl Campbell and that Steve and Tim Campbell to come down a year after Earl did and play linebacker, and I did that, that took the lid off of everything. It was kind of easy because when I was 
broke the Kuti, that's now because dads, I didn't have much to do with it. You did it all, buddy, because if you hadn't offered me a scholarship, I don't know what the hell I would have ended up in school. Yeah. I just know that I didn't want to go to school, that some school going to buy me clothes, give me money, buy me a car, do this, because I knew that was not right. And I did it the old-fashioned way, and thank God my mother and our family made it because I had a chance to play pro football because of coming to the University of Texas. We was winning. It got blown out of proportion by Earl Campbell, and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. I do not believe, and I've, I've, I've always said this when I start talking to people like yourself about what went on in the world at that time as far as athletics. But I've always wanted to spare Swiss and our great friends. We, I didn't go to his school, but I came here, and this was the best thing for me. And we talk about it today. I just saw him at the, at the Heisman Trophy presentation this year, mm-hmm. last year. And we hugged each other. We girlfriends. He tried to help me out in my meat business. Tried to help me get the Sonic Corporation to make a hot dog form, and but it didn't work out. But everything I tried to do in life, one thing I'll say is Barry Switzer. When I called his number, I asked, and I do have to do stuff by asking every now and then. Mm-hmm. Well. When you try to get in different states, you know, different people, or it's an athlete always there, or a coach, you know. So Barry Switzer tried to help me get the Sonic account to make a hot dog for him because I'm in the Sonic business now. But it didn't work out. But every time we see each other, we can hug and say hello without saying, you told it on me, I told it. No. <laughs> I didn't do that kind of stuff, and he didn't do that kind of stuff to me, and he's always said, if I've ever met one football player in my life, had no business going to college, it was a whole camp, I don't know how Barry came up with that. <laughs> I've read that. <laughs> and the first person told me about that was Coach Dabbs. I said, what do you say now? Did you hear Barry Sanders uh, on, uh, uh, on the radio the other day? I said, what? If he ever coached somebody, if he ever had anything to do, he you know one guy had no business going to college. I said, who? What are you talking about? He said, he was talking about you. <laughs> I said, you're lying to me. He said, no, man, Barry really believed you had no business going to college. But because I didn't go to Oklahoma and he offered me a scholarship, we're still the best of friends. And man, Billy Sims, the best of friends. I mean, it's just like that, things like that, you know. But Coach Dabbs, and getting back to what I was talking about, because of his success with black athletes, the University of Texas needs to do something in a way of letting, you know, we don't tell people we appreciate it, we thank them for what they've done. I believe that as big as the University of Texas are, they need to do a scholarship. We need to do something for Coach Dabbs. But, you know, the president don't even know all that stuff, what happens in the football programs behind the scene. They just want to win. Right. 
But the reason they did all that was because of Coach Daz, because the Royal couldn't go out and recruit those kids. Because Daz could. And I'm proud to say that he did it in an honest way. And that's why I'm writing this big book on him and all that. Is yes. because he deserves it. Uh, I mean, the, the, I know you've probably heard all the stories, but the Elmo Wright story really. Oh, yeah, it. man. <laughs> you know, and that shows how. You know, how because that is unbelievable. I, I'm gonna tell you something. I don't know if you're a believer in Christ, but I am. Yes, I do. Yes, and I, do. I believe that Christ gives everybody a, a talent to do something in this world. Coach Daz was the best recruiter in the world as far as the university goes. Because he didn't have no black people coming to school until he got involved. Mm-hmm. And he really worked it, and I'm really thankful for him. Not so because of me, but because of the opportunities that sports and football had for other minority people that went to the university as well. He put others ahead of him. I'm going to ask yeah. you one, two more questions, and one's a real easy one, but maybe it's going to be the hardest one. If I yeah. said, Earl, give me one word to sum up Coach Ken Dabbs, what would that word be? Incredible. Incredible human being and I was finished and leave it there. Yeah. No, that's 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 fair enough for me. Um I asked him what the best game was he ever saw you play and he actually said he's gonna to talk to me about that Monday because he said there were so many great moments. Can I ask you if you have uh one game at high school go back to high school, not college now, high school that um that stands out where you go, you, it brings a little smile to your face. I did it. Let somebody else tell you what happened. I don't know. Oh, you don't? Okay. That's, that's how I answer that. <laughs> that's nah, what that's somebody true. else to answer. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But I love Coach Dabs and his family, and thank you very much. Well, I got to get to my granddaughter. And just like that, Earl Campbell was off to see his granddaughter. Great, great story about the relationship between uh, the legendary Hall of Famer Earl Campbell and uh, the man that recruited him to the University of Texas, the late Ken Dabbs. And also in the book that I wrote, uh, High School Football in Texas, Amazing Football Stories from the Greatest Players of Texas, uh, two other overall number ones, uh, Baker Mayfield from 2018 and Tommy Nobis, who was the number one pick in the NFL draft, number one overall in 1965. And you've been listening to the High School Football America podcast brought to you by GameStrat, America's premier sideline instant replay system with outstanding reliability and customer service and different plans priced right for every coach's budget. To get a demo, go to GameStrat.com or click on the GameStrat banner ad located on every page of HighSchoolFootballAmerica.com. You've been listening to the High School Football America podcast. I'm Jeff Fisher. 